Exhibition with me, Andy McCarroll, and on today's show, we will be reviewing John Wick Chapter 4. And it is my honor, my pleasure, my privilege to welcome my guest today. He is a broadcaster, producer, journalist, has edited some of the biggest publications in the country, including Joe.ie and Entertainment.ie. He is the host of the fantastic show, The Dell, but most importantly for today, he is the human Wikipedia, the Baba Yaga himself, Mike Sheridan. Mike, how are you today? God, I've been hit the head way too much to remember most things. And given that the first John Wick came out in 2014, now that's that's a bit of a stretch, Andy, I'd say. But uh, I, I have nothing but love for the films, I'll say that much. We're going to talk about the films now shortly, but I mentioned the delve there. One of the guests you had was Mr. Wick himself, Keanu Reeves. Is he everything I want him to be? What was that like speaking to him? <laughs> well, I did interview him a couple of years before that, for actually for John Wick 2. Um, I interviewed him for that, but it was a junket setup and it was super quick. And he was lovely. He was amazing. Um, and then for the third one, it was an interview I chased for the Delve for a long, long time. And we managed to get him on a print day. So for people that don't know, there's no crew set up. There's no junket set up for a print day. Um, obviously, you know, it's not supposed to be filmed. So we have to fly a crew across. And long story short, they lost uh, an airline that should remain nameless. Uh, lost half of our equipment. But luckily, uh, my, my camera person, Charlotte, had the two cameras in her bag in our backpack so lost the tripods didn't have any of the lights and uh, we had a very small window to get from Heathrow uh, to the Soho Hotel and um, so the stress was um, like next level trying to get there in time so I chased the interview for so long and we had 20 minutes with him and uh, we got there but we had to ring ahead and get them to change the room that we were in so we could get natural light in the room and when Ken Reeves came in with this like 10 million dollar publicist you know somebody who's there to <laughs> You basically stop stupid things from happening and you know protect them and everything else. Uh there was like a DSLR camera resting on a on like a bookshelf, I think, and then Charlotte had something else. <laughs> the way it was amazing was, and the interview looks great. So they came in and they were like, What the <laughs> You know? I was going to say, it wouldn't come across on the screen that any of that happened in the background. I could only imagine the stress of trying to get that done. Like, oh, I asked like, Keanu Reeves, can you change room for me? Oh, it was like ridiculous. And also, because I've been texting people back home, I've been like, they're not losing our luggage, we're on the way there. We need to, they're losing our equipment, we're on the way there, we need to figure something else out. And my girlfriend, trying to be helpful, uh, got in touch with a cameraman in London who made his way there. Uh, but I knew it wasn't going to be in time. But uh, he made his way there, was downstairs in the hotel while we were doing the interview. Still had to be paid. <laughs> so, which is the, the the day itself was a bit of a mess, but the interview was phenomenal. Like he's, you're just in the presence of somebody like kind of special, as cliched as as that is to say. Like he's he's an icon, and he's not one of these icons that is it's all on the screen. Like you just you can tell he's just a fundamentally decent human being. Doesn't like talking about any of the positive things about himself um, in terms of like his personal life, in terms of some of the charity stuff that he does. He's just happy to have conversations and happier to have conversations about not just the work, but about the work that other people do and not just the John Wick movies, but in everything else. And I told him about the the Lighthouse had a Keanu Rama film festival and he loved that. He was like, really, I was I, I, looking back at it, I should have given him some of the movies because they had and Destination Wedding and some of the romantic comedy stuff that he'd done in it as well. And he's like, oh, is it just the action movies? What is it? And I'm like, oh, God, I should have given him a list of the movies, you know, because Destination Wedding, is that what it's called? With, uh, Winona Ryder is actually a really yeah. good movie too. And uh, he was delighted anyway. So it was just a really nice experience after an extremely stressful day. <laughs> On the flight back as well, nobody cares about this. It's not about Keanu Reeves, but lost my wallet. So it was uh, the, per- the perfect cherry on top to a, to a messy... Last time I was in London for an interview as well, it was 2019. So, um, but he's an incredible, like just has a presence, just has a very like calming, cool presence and took the piss out of us right away. And it was the same when I interviewed him in, for, in 2017 for, for John Wick 2. I told him about uh, the first, first time I saw John Wick, the, I was in New York. I was um, on, on holiday in New York and I got really, really sick. Uh, some sort of chest infection, some sort of bug or something. And I was in bed for 90% of the, of the holiday and on the last day, we were coming back uh, to Dublin from JFK. And, you know, you've got those few hours where you need to, you can't be in the hotel, you have to check out, but you, yeah. you're not in the airport till five, half five, not on JFK till five, half five. And went to see John Wick, the first one. And all of it, like the energy levels just came back. 
while that movie was on and then it kind of collapsed again but I was telling Keanu Reeves about it I was like oh they turfed us out of hotel and we had that and he was like what did they kick you out of hotel for and I was like no not, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> not for and conducting then, business <laughs> yeah and then like he, he was taking the piss out of me in Charlotte because uh, he, he he was saying um, so how late were you guys for your flight and I was like listen Keanu Reeves we were not late for the flight <laughs> this is a mess up but Charlotte is hilarious Charlotte is um, she lives in Glasgow now but um, she's really, like really, really good director and and like very, very good technically and but does not care about famous people. She's from she's from Yorkshire, you know, and she's a youth. I think she's in her mid twenties, and uh, we kind of knew who Keanu Reeves was, but didn't really, you know, was wasn't like a fan or anything like that. And she put a mic on him because obviously we, you know, we were crewing up ourselves. And she's like, "Can you count to ten, please, Keanu?" <laughs> Keanu <laughs> So I, I thought that was funny. So I have I have fond men, memories in retrospect, not just because of him, but just just around the interview for being uh, the most stressed I'll ever be. That's now the bar, I think, professionally. Like, Thank God it turned out okay in the end. And again, just something that comes across in the interview as well. He seems genuinely uncomfortable when you praise him. Like even you said to him in the interview, you said John Wick, you thought was an all-time classic. And he seemed genuinely taken aback by it. Like a lot of the actors, they had this kind of fake humility. They've got the, the stock answer ready to go yeah. there. Like he seemed like this thought had never popped into his head before. And he was completely taken aback that you would say that to him. Chad Skaleski was like that as well. When I said it to him after the second one, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I mean, maybe, it's, I mean, he's from a stunt background and from a second unit background. And, you know, I get like that sometimes with my own stuff. And I'm sure you might too, where you're so close to it. You can't really see how good it is. And I mean, the films have become their own thing now. And like, you know, for that's probably why they've ended the movie the way they have, because the temptation will always be to go back and, and to do more. But um, yeah, he's I'd, I'd watched a bunch. I'd interviewed him before, obviously, briefly. I'd watched a bunch of stuff with him. And he like he, he did an interview with Willie Geis, um, who is a really good broadcaster in the US, uh, does the Today Show and he does a podcast, the Sunday Sit Down. And Willie Geis tried bringing up the... Uh, some of the charity stuff and some of the sharing the profits from the Matrix with the stunt coordinators and the special effects team from the Matrix and everybody else. And he just, you could see it got really uncomfortable really quickly. It's like you asked, you know, Zach Efron about the drug use or something. <laughs> it was the complete opposite. <laughs> you know? And uh, he got really, he got really, really uncomfortable. And clearly he just, he just, just a decent guy. He doesn't really want to, you know, isn't into the praise. I mean, if you're Keanu Reeves, you're probably pretty secure in yourself. You don't need to be patted on the back maybe. Yeah, and again, when you mentioned the the directors, uh, David Leach and Chad Selesky uh, as well, he will jump straight in and praise them to the hilt. He knows their whole, you know, their whole stunt career, all their directing career. But if you try and praise him in any way, shape, or form, he's like, absolutely not. Uh, we've danced around it, and also trying. We'll get into it now. John Wick Chapter Four. I know you and I went into this with with really really high expectations. Were they met on your end? Oh yeah, they're masterpieces. Like. I saw this because uh, I looked at some of the reviews and stuff, and I generally I don't read reviews anymore um, at all, to be honest. Like you know, you can't you can't avoid the Rotten Tomato score. It's kind of rammed in your throat when you're looking for news on movies or trailers or whatever else. And I knew it'd been positively reviewed. I, I like you know completely expected that, given it was the same creative team behind it. But I saw a few four star reviews from people who previously given five star reviews. Brian Lloyd, I'm talking to you, <laughs> and I said, "Where's your star?" Like. There's, I think there's, there's something about being about being a film critic and, you know, present company excluded. Like I've done it, I did it myself for a very long time. Well, for a few years, about 10 years ago. And you kind of feel, you, you know, it's your job to critique it. You have to, you have to delve in. You have to dig deep. You have to sometimes find the faults. You know, if the film isn't perfect, you have to explain why. Um, and at a certain point, I just gave up and was like, if if I enjoy the film, you know, if the experience to me is a five-star experience, it's getting five stars. I could go into the whys and why nots and the pacing and, you know, the issue with this character, that character, everything else. Ultimately, the audience doesn't care. And I, I learned that a long time ago after I was a critic. I became a self-floating film critic. And I just started going to see movies I wanted to see, first of all, and ex- experiencing them in the way that they should be experienced. And John Wick, that series as a whole, and I think obviously the last movie I saw it last week is the personification on that. It's a five-star experience. It's just pure unadulterated joy. It's incredible action. It's they've managed to like build this world around uh this one character that's just and you know, it's the possibilities for it are endless. Now, how well a, a Norman John Wick movie does without Keanu Reeves, but that's in that universe remains to be seen. But they're just First of all, incredibly well-made movies. 
so simply structured. And this one, uh, John Wick 4, is some of the best action I've ever seen on screen, not just in Western cinema, but in any in any type of action movie, like any of the John any of the John Woo stuff from the 80s and 90s, um, any of the, you know, Die Hard, any of the Schwarzenegger movies from the 90s. Like we look, we we tend to look back on those, but I think rose tinted glasses in some respects. And there are some classics, but it's a great movie. Like they're great movies. There's no other ifs, ands, or buts about it. They're just great movies. And at nearly three hours long, I, I did not feel like going boy. And look, maybe I am a fanboy. I clearly <laughs> am. But I just love the films. I just think they're everything action cinema should be. And the first movie was such a particular template for the rest of the series. You were on board with this guy. First of all, it's kind of reason on board. But because how the character was set up, because how the revenge set up uh, was structured, you know, kill his wife dies, yeah. kill his dog. You're on board with it right away. And the guy could do anything and, you, and you're all in. Um, I think still, it's going to be really interesting to see what Chad Selesky does next because he's obviously done four John Wick movies in a row. And I can't wait to see what he does outside of this universe because, you know, he's clearly one of the most gifted action directors working today. And I'd say everybody's clamoring to work for him in Hollywood. Like David Leach, who we co-directed the first one with, has gone on and done a bunch of big, big movies. Uh, with big movie stars and after Deadpool 2 and um is you know does very muscular action as well. But Chad Selesky, I'm more curious to see what he does next. If it's gonna be a Highlander movie, whatever it's gonna be, because I just think the man has a gift. And you can see people trying to copy, you can see other directors and second units and like try, trying to copy it, but it's it's a very specific way of doing action. And it's a lot of it's based on how well the character uh is leveled up to that point, if that makes sense. You made it typically, you know, you were used to do this because you made a couple of excellent points there. I think the the fact you said with a five star review, it's a five star John Wick action film. And I think comparatively, you can't say something like, you know, Shawshank or Goodfellas, they're going to use the, the cliche five star films. You're not measuring them on the same scale. Going in, I had the same thing with you. I was like three hours after, especially after seeing Avatar, which felt like if you'd have told me that was five hours coming out, I would have believed you. <laughs> I haven't but, seen uh, it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I went to see this with my dad and a friend of mine. And as we we're walking, I said, oh, this is three hours, by the way. And as we were leaving, my dad turns around and says, I thought you said this was three hours. I was like, it was. And he's like, no, it wasn't. And like, <laughs> like just completely like, would not abide by the rules of time. He's like, no, that film was not three hours. That film was an hour and a half. And I was like, but I was trying to show him the clock, just was having absolutely none of it now. If flew, boy, I absolutely loved it. The pacing of it was absolutely incredible. It was like literally from start to finish, it, it absolutely breezed by. Some like you, you touched there with uh, with Chad Zelensky. The the shot of the overhead fight shot is just so inventive and I'm so kind of jaded, especially with action films. You get a trend a couple of years ago. We had these you not know, the slow motion action fight scenes, like say like Sherlock Holmes and the Bulafu and all that sort of stuff. He seems to be something really inventive on this. And I, I'm like you, I'd be very curious to see is he just a great John Wick director or is he a great director full stuff? Because we saw with David Lee, like Bullet Train. One of my favorite films of last year. I thought that was tremendous. I really enjoyed well. it too. Yeah. So I'm curious to see because we'll talk about it later. When we go into this. Like Keanu Reeves, he was on a terrible run up until the John Wick films. Like you know, Constantine, which I kind of like. I'll be honest. Scanner Darkly, Street Kings, Henry's Crime, Forty Seven Ron. Like not great. And then you kind of see the films he's done in between John Wick movies as well. Haven't exactly set the world on fire either. So. I'm curious to see what way that goes. Is yeah, I think I think it's it's tricky. Sorry for interrupting you. I think it's tricky nowadays for the kind of movie star that Keanu Reeves was and now kind of still is because he's this iconic figure, and there's so many other actors and actresses I think that fit into that space as well. And generally speaking, with the actors of that space who are 80s, more 90s lead action stars, they kind of became a parody of themselves a little bit if they weren't particularly great actors. And I think you saw that with, you know, this, you know, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, but you saw that with Schwarzenegger. You see that with Sylvester Stallone. And unless they have a genuine uh, want or uh, like Stallone had a franchise, Stallone had Rocky could go back to it and, you know, make a really, uh, you know, a character with waste that he could do something with. But if you don't, you just end up parodying yourself a little bit, I think. And it just, I think, I think, I think content, the movie content evolved scripts evolved to a different place masculinity evolved to a different place and they just weren't making the same kinds of movies so i would say it was that keanu reeves probably wasn't getting the kind of offers he was getting before and just didn't give a shit that's my that's my guess <laughs> on it and that he was like if they come to me with something good i'll do it 
And I would imagine, and I don't know this for a fact at all, but I imagine with the John Wick universe, you know, he knows Seleski and David Leach from their stone coordination work on movies like The Matrix and stuff. And I'd said he just decided to build this. Look, this could be fun. You know, it's a $30 million movie, I think it was. And the succeeding movies weren't that much more expensive contextually. I think the last one was 80, maybe. If that, they might have been 70. That's nothing for an action movie. 70, 80 million dollars when you look at the scale of the film and the many metro locations and stuff that they're in. So yeah, I I think you know it's it's very tricky for actors nowadays. I think the goalposts have moved where you would normally see, I mean, the rock is still trying to do that, where every movie is a temple and every movie is an event. And I just don't think it works anymore. I think it's I think the way the way movies have evolved, even the way television has evolved and uh, has evolved into streaming, it's just you cannot get that event feel. It's very, very rare. Um, even post Avengers, I think it's just it's, it's even more unlikely now. You know, there is there isn't that kind of you know must see that you know end game essentially where like you need to see a culmination of this. And I think Top Gun or people are getting people back into cinemas for for stories or there's no real you know I know Tom Cruise is Top Gun, but there's no movie star who's going to open a film on his own. I think we're seeing the end of the Rock's run at that particular thing. He's run that into the ground as well. I think that's going to change. And I'm very curious to see as much as what Keanu Reeves does next, as much as Chad Zelinsky as well. I don't know what Keanu Reeves is going to... I mean, I, again, I don't I don't think he gives a shit. You know, because he clearly is not that arsed about money. Um, he could have gotten silly money for these movies if he wanted to, I'm sure. I mean, he's he's as much part of the, the creation of it as Derek Colstad, the writer, and Zelinsky and uh, David Leach. And I I mean, I would... You, you, you know, he's in his late 50s now as well. There's only a certain amount of that type of action you can do realistically. And, you know, with all due respect to Liam Neeson, who I love, Keanu Reeves does this shit. You know, Keanu Reeves yeah. is in there. He's heavy, heavy training jiu-jitsu. And anybody who's ever done jiu-jitsu or even, even looked at, you know, jiu-jitsu fights or looked at, looked at the UFC intently will see how this is him doing this stuff and he's very good at it. He knows what he's doing. So the action stuff, I don't know how much longer. Um, he can do it at that pace for and at that level for. And that might be what he's thinking with like looking to end the series or lo- looking to kind of put a put a, uh, a full stop at the end of uh, at the end of John Wick. You know, I don't want to spoilers away here. We probably already have. But um, spoil away. <laughs> spoil away. But like, I think that's probably why. And I think you saw that as well with Daniel Craig in the last James Bond where he was like, if the temptation is there to do another one, I'm going to do it because it's silly money. And but it takes two years of your life if you really want to be involved creatively from the ground up. So um, I think Henry's can kind of do what he wants. I think there's also these, uh, the way the kind of, not just the internet, but the way kind of popular culture works now is you have these like cyclical people that come in and become superstars for a period of time and then come out and they're on the peripheral and then they come in. So it was Keanu Reeves a couple of years ago. You know, he's been a mainstay, but in terms of been right in people's faces, it was Keanu Reeves a couple of years ago. It was Pedro Pascal for the last few months and you know, you strike all the orange hot with that stuff. But again, it comes back to you're not going to get $25 million for a movie because movies don't open in the same way. They're not, you know, it's just not built the same now. It, might, it could be a six-part series for Netflix. It could be something for HBO. It could be an event. It's just, I think it's just evolved because there's so much content now. And I think evolved is the key word with the John Wick franchise. You actually, you mentioned Taken there. Taken just done the same thing over and over. Like there's that scene where Liam Neeson turns out, I know what happens, girls your age in Paris. Like she's, I think she's 28 or something. I said, girls your age in Paris get engaged and post terrible pictures on Instagram. <laughs> and it was kind of, when I was watching this uh, with John Wick chapter four, I was thinking like I was watching ninjas, sumo wrestlers, blind samurai, a killer dog. There's lads in three piece bulletproof suits in this, you know, samurai Japanese hotel. And I just kind of had a moment where I thought to myself, if John Wick had assaulted his character, Alfie Allen, none of this would be happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the dog would still be alive well i mean it was nine years ago yeah. but yeah i mean it is it's interesting the way it, but that's kind of the beauty of how they set it up because if you look at other action franchises like other huge action franchises you look at the fast and furious movies i haven't seen the last three i mean i would have seen the others because of i was doing interviews or whatever and for that reason only i wouldn't have been a particularly big fan but they got increasingly ridiculous so they could bring in more people so they go and that's not to take shots at them they're just not my cup of tea neither is any of the the comic book stuff to be honest so they kind of had to they were in a position where oh now we have to go to space <laughs> they started a street race in movies they start it started as a you know as a, as a rip off of uh speed oh sorry um point break 
It's like the, you know, if you watch the original Fast and Furious, it is a complete ripoff of Point Break. It is, and I mean, I think Rob Cohn is probably pretty honest about that. Who <laughs> directed it? And I mean, like you know, you know, God rest his soul as well. You know, it's 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 just a it's it's kind of how Hollywood works as well to some degree. But it started there, and then it just becomes this like point being, it has to get more ridiculous in order to keep bringing people in and bigger and wherever. And that just gets more expensive. And the John Wick franchise hasn't done that. It's it's evolved the world in a very, very controlled way. And I'd say they've been able to do that because they've kept the budget relatively tight comparatively. And I think with that, with the, the cast and thing, that's a great point you made there. Like they're bringing in people like The Rock, like Jason Momoa. What I love about this series is that it's bringing in people like Mark DeCasco, Scott Atkins, uh, Yaya Ronin, and Donnie Yen. Then in this one, people who are like, great things in films like the raids that people might not yeah. have seen or you know brotherhood of the wolf or uh if man from for donnie yen and they're essay like where people are looking they're going hang on i don't know this guy who and then you will fall into that rather than the rock coming with his level of expectation or jason momoa where you know it's where do you go from there whereas you can with the greatest respect cast people like scott atkins and donnie yen and keep getting guys like that as well yeah and i mean i think i think seleski is probably getting a kick out of that as well because and keanu reeves because people are then going to find that maybe wouldn't have known who Donnie Yen was or Scott Atkins and go looking up some of their movies, you know, like a Mark Dacascus did a movie called Drive in the 90s um, when I was in school and I remember the VHS been passed around. That's how old I am. I remember <laughs> being like, oh, well, you have to check out this action movie Drive Mark Dacascus. So to see him pop up in the last in Parabellum was amazing, you know, and he, it's getting a kick, I'd say. I'd imagine Stileski and Reeves getting a kick out of people, you know, you know Gen X or Gen Z or whatever it is going and then finding this we're going oh this guy's awesome you're introducing them to people that have been there for a long time and that, like that's always a treat but like it's interesting chatting about somebody like The Rock because I know I know you're not a fan of The Rock I've seen your tweets um, <laughs> I, and I have to say like I've, I've interviewed him a few times and he's he's great like there's just you know I mean maybe it's, I never interviewed Will Smith but I heard Will Smith could be like on and then off um, I never interviewed him but uh the Rock, I just, I did, I did a Fast and Furious junket in Brazil years ago. Um, and I got, it was weird, it was set, it was in Rio and I was on like a promenade. So the way junket setups normally are, are you're in different rooms for people that don't know. And, you know, it's very, you know, it's not very personal. It's kind of like a conveyor belt. But I got to watch all of the whole cast of Fast and Furious 5 um, do their junket interviews with people from all around the world. It was a global junket. And I got to watch The Rock interact with people who a lot of people who English wasn't their first language and watch how patient he was and watch how he, you know, gave everybody a different interview and watched how you just, you just came across like a very decent person and they don't always, and I will say this, Vin, Vin Diesel was on the other side <laughs> <laughs> and no disrespect to Vin Diesel, but he was sitting there in a, in a white vest, a very tight white vest that he had no right to be wearing sitting 10 feet from the rock. Um, <laughs> And a pair of sunglasses on and, and stuff like that. So I know you're not a fan, but I do think the I think the, the mistake that the rocks make and to go off on, on a bit of a tangent about him is that he is trying to do this every movie is an event instead of going, who do I want to work with? You know, instead of going, yeah, how can yeah, I work that's with- that's my problem with it. Like he doesn't do things for the I'm gonna go off on a rock tangent now. He doesn't do things for the benefit of the film. Like you see things like Reeves putting his money into like to, to do the comparisons we're talking about John Wick, like Reeves putting his own money into this being very, very humble, trying to make sure that, you know, the directors were looked after. He realized he was a bigger name than they were, getting the stunt team, all the watches, being kind of, you know, humble in the back and not regretting that. Whereas The Rock, if he was doing that, you know, he's going to Instagram it. He's going to have, oh, I know, I've just been caught unaware is doing all these charitable things. And my whole thing with The Rock stems to an interview he done where he said, I get offered these scripts with great roles that are like really, would be really interesting films, but not the most amount of people is going to see them. So I don't want to make them. And that to me is like, you are in this for you. You're not in this to make a good film. You are in this for The Rock. You are a promoter. He's basically an Instagram influencer that's on the screen. And I'm not paying 15 quid to see the same thing over and over again. I I mean, I remember, again, I'm old enough to remember him in the, in the WWE. And it's difficult to articulate how good he was at that. Yeah. How good he, how charismatic he is, first of all. And how incredible. Like, I mean, I'm not a wrestling fan, but I, I mean, I would watch his monologues and stuff that he would do in the WWE because he was so funny. Like his timing was impeccable. Uh, nowadays, if they want an action star to do a, a comedy, like with him, they'll pair him up with Kevin Hart 
or something like that and it'll be packaged and it'll feel a bit compressed and a bit artificial um i think it's just a case of not working with the right filmmakers and that's no disrespect to the filmmakers that he's worked because you know we worked with david leach and hobbs and shaw but that was too big a movie you know it was it was like 200 million dollars or something like that the weight of it the weight of the budget the you you can almost feel, it's the same with black adam i haven't seen black adam but you, it's the same way the promotion around it he just had to push it constantly because it was such a big thing it was so expensive and then you know comparatively you do ballers and hbo which was as close as we're going to get to entourage and you know in the 2020s uh or the, or the late 20 teens where it's a kind of a it's as character driven as you're going to get for him and it's fun you know, he's great with Rob Cordroy and that seemed to be him being, okay, I'm going to do some, you know, I'm going to do some actual acting here and play a character as opposed to become a, just this action star and just, you know, to kind of skate by on the charisma. So I think he's capable of it. And I, I think that's what should... annoys me so much is that he is like, I loved when the rest and I absolutely love Walking Tall. I only rewatched uh, The Rundown or, or Welcome to the Jungle. The great movie, here. yeah. Fantastic. And I think with Black Adam as well, the fact that we had all the backs where he just would not, you know, to use a wrestling term, push his arm over in any way because in his ego, he's like, well, The Rock gets to beat up Superman. Because I, And I know that's how he's thinking. He's not thinking Black Adam gets to beat up Superman. He's like, The Rock gets to beat up Superman. That's where he was going. And like, it was complete detriment to the character, to the film. And the fact that James Gunn now, you know, put a bullet in his head over that one now, I have to say, I got a, a nice bit of glee out of that. Yeah, um, I, 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 I saw the first Shazam and I liked it. Um, I haven't seen the second one. I haven't seen again. I don't like comic book movies. This is probably infuriating any of your audience. <laughs> but it's, I'm just too old now. Like, and I just haven't got the time or energy to, you know, put put into watching all these other movies that to set up this movie that's an origin, or whatever. But like the big ones, I'll see. You know, like Batman and saw the last Batman and stuff, and I thought it was okay. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You know, like he for me, The Rock is untapped potential for the last 20 years or so but when he tried doing character driven stuff with Richard Kelly it didn't work and that might be what he's thinking you know James going to be a huge fan of and um, I just think he's a really interesting filmmaker the Guardians of the Galaxy I'll see I'll see the third one mm. because I, I know he'll do something interesting with us the characters are interesting I really like Chris Pratt as well and it's interesting talking around the discourse around Shazam where Zachary Levi is getting so much crap online and because he's kind of cheesy or whatever, you know, but he's also one of these people that it's seemingly okay just to take shots at him for some reason. Oh, because he was on Joe Rogan and he tweeted something about COVID or something like that. And so, you know, this is the same guy and I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here because I actually messaged somebody about this who kind of started a pile on with him. I'm not a fan of Zachary Levi. I, you know, I like the first Shazam. I didn't watch any other TV shows or anything that he did, but there was a there was this thing where I saw somebody tweet a video of him where it's like, this actor is... Um, he's the most out of work actor ever because he was trying to get people to go and see Shazam 2 instead of John Wick in a video and I was kind of like I actually messaged a guy um, and I was like he's just promoting his film like that's it, it was, I, thought, I thought it was really really mean and it might be naive of me to think that the discourse is going to be anything else when there's competing films and people are fanboys or fangirls of certain universes or whatever it is but uh, it just bugged me because you know it's whether you like the film or not, there doesn't need to be this whole weight behind it. it doesn't need to be all, it's okay to take take shots at this guy. It's okay to take shots at that guy. But in saying that, you know, when, when I started out as a film critic, I took plenty of shots at people. And I wish I, wish I, could, I wish I could delete those reviews off the internet, to be honest with you. And you do make, do you think that's because we've so much access? Like there's no, I think we're saying like the, the death of the movie star. Do you think the reason that is, is because to get someone to pay, say, 15 quid to go and see a film, where you can like, well, I can see them on Netflix. I can see them stream something on Instagram Live. I have access to nearly every facet of their life. Whereas, you know, I'm surrounded here by posters of, of John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. You, you didn't know a hell of a lot about them. And probably in John Wayne and Clint Eastwood's case, probably best that we didn't when it did eventually come out. Do you think that's part of the reason why that era has gone away? I think so. And it's interesting because Ryan Reynolds is somebody I'm, I'm a fan of. I've been a fan of. Fan of used to take the piss out of me in college because Two Guys and a Girl was on. And I was like, this guy is going to be huge. You could just tell he's just so charismatic. And uh, then Van Wilder happened and then he kind of kicked on from there. And he had a few flops and was still being put in big, big movies until Deadpool, until he kind of really found his niche and is, and is completely remembered as a marketer as well. And something he did early on, because he, you know, he was engaged to Alanis Morissette, he was married to Scarlett Johansson. And you'll say that to somebody now and they won't realize it because he was really careful about his private life. He was very, very careful about what he what went out there. 
and um, very protective cut to you know a few years back where something clicked obviously and you know publicist or whoever might have said you need to kind of let people in a little bit you know, obviously he's married to Blake Blake Lively who's another actor and that changed everything for him you know he he just shone through and like Ryan Reynolds no you know you, you could say Ryan Reynolds plays variations of Ryan Reynolds he does but it works for him you know it's working for him he's very good at it and just just friends is one of the most underrated Christmas movies ever made as an aside but um I thought that I think that's a really Strong interesting movie. there. And yeah, also the I, Alanis Morissette song Torch is about him, which is also a very underrated song. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh but I think I think that's that kind of sums it up to a degree because you kind of have to put yourself out there, you know, and you have to give you have to give the public a little bit. I mean, you, you so somebody like Matt Damon doesn't at all, but like Matt Damon will say it's because he lives a boring existence. You know, his his wife, I think, was Ben Affleck's assistant, and she's not involved in the business anymore, and she's from Argentina, so he's He's back and forth from there, and uh, people don't care. So, yeah, you, you, yeah, I think there's a danger of feeding the beast a little bit, and then feeding the beast constantly, which is what The Rock has to do because his movies are so expensive, and there's so much behind him, and there's so many things on the line, you know. But then look at somebody like Adam Sandler, who just found Netflix and was like, "Right, I'm going to make movies here with my mates." And every time he does one, they're the biggest, you know, they're the number one movie on Netflix for however long, or the number one whatever on Netflix, and that we'll go and do a uncut gems or something else when a, like a respected director will ask them to do it or an indie director will ask them to do it so it's, it's definitely evolved probably to the point as you were saying that there's so much now and that there's so much information on them but i think ryan reynolds his journey to becoming one of the most famous people in the world now is uh probably the personification of it in some ways and I'm going to try and bring this in a, a screeching back onto topic with a segue here. I know you're a big fan of The Ringer and The Rewatchables. So cast them what if here for John Wick with, with the original script. Clint Eastwood and Paul Newman. Maybe. Originally, this, originally this, the, the script was called Score. And it was kind of based, John Wick was more of a, a 60s, 70s uh, aged character. Uh, Derek Hollis had, had said his, his choices when he was writing it was Clint Eastwood and Paul Newman. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, there's, there's another thing, I'm sure you uh, would have heard this. Marcus Luttrell, uh, who the film, the Marky Mark film, Lone Survivor, was based on. The story of this is actually based on something that happened to him on real life. You know, he was an ex-Navy SEAL. His dog was killed in his garden. He had a, a therapy dog after he got out of the army. Chased the guys down and pulled a gun on them and held them there until the police came. And they were like, well, how did you let them go? He goes, I've killed too many people. I didn't want to add more to it. Good I, lord, I, I didn't know that either. That's that's insane. So he's the actual real life John Wick, and like any of those stories, you kind of hear a few like um, I can't think of the guy's name from uh, American Sniper. There's a lot of stories about him that turned out to be complete BS. Research the crisis. Turned out that the Marcus Luttrell story is actually true. <laughs> yeah, there's a the, the Navy SEAL thing is is fascinating because I talked to David Goggins about that, and he was saying that you know so many Navy SEALs live off the the Hell Week, like if doing buds getting through it. And, you know, they don't live it kind of onwards, if you know what I mean, like when they get out of the seals, when they check out the seals after a couple of tours or whatever. So like the, that movie, Lone Survivor, is not a bad movie. Uh, Peter Berg directed it. That's about Marcus Luttrell. That's or, and about him. And and uh, I think what do you, the seal team four, seal team three, something like that. And it's just it's just like terrifying what happens to them now. It's Peter Berg who's gone very like America, you know, bald eagle with an American flag. <laughs> Producer on Ballers as well. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 you know, one of the protégés of Michael Mann. So, you know, he he can be great when he wants to be Peter Berg. And um, Friday Night Lights, the original movie, is great too. But uh, yeah, it's a fascinating story, and I think people are kind of obsessed with that Navy SEAL thing, and that they see them as these indestructible, you know, just you know, John Wick style characters. So it's fascinating that I didn't know that story. That's really interesting. Yes, of all the people you're going to shoot their dog, you know, Marcus Luttrell is fairly high on the list of people. I mean, I'm not, not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I go to jail for anybody that my dog. I will go. I will go to jail for it. So I can I can relate. And I think that's why the John Wick movies are so popular because most people can. Yeah, my, my dad is. My dad is. We call, we call the dog his favorite son, and he walked out of John Wick, and he was like, he was perfectly justified in every single thing he did. There. <laughs> he should have killed more of them. <laughs> so he went after their families as a lesson. <laughs> Went full guys ourselves. Their friend, people who owe the money, everyone gone. Another casting what if here. Did you know Jason Isaacs was originally cast as Winston and had to drop out due to a scheduling issue? 
I can see that. Lance Reddick is... Uh, no, sorry, not. That's... Um, Ian McShane. Uh, Ian McShane, yeah. I can see that. I can see... Like, Jason Isaac's got the, a similar presence, a similar kind of stoke. Maybe not as cheeky as Ian McShane is, but I, I can see it. Like, Jason Isaacs can kind of play anything as well, can't he? Mm. I just... I think Ian McShane... I think maybe because, you know, I'm a certain age, I grew up watching Lovejoy. Same, Ian McShane yeah. is just the human embodiment of a, a cigar and a bit of whiskey. Like, he just... Like he's 80 years old, he still has that, you know, that thick head of black he's hair. 80, he's 80 years yeah. old, yeah. Because that it's the white teeth that take years off him, I think. <laughs> the the, the turkey tan white. as well, yeah. The ta- and the tan legend, I didn't realize he was 80, but no, that's fascinating cast. I'd tell, I just again, Keanu Reeves is kind of always written once the, the script of R from that, but it's just like Jason Isaacs over him, Shane. I just no, I, 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 think, could, they, I, could, I think they nailed it there. I, I think when you look at the first movie as well, like Willem Dafoe's in the first movie as well. You know, like it's like people kind of forget that too. It's a small enough role, but like it's a significant role. And it, the way the action is sparsed out in the first movie as well, it's sporadic but brilliant. And then when you see it and how it's evolved in the second, third, and, and now in the fourth one, it's like it's kind of like everything's kind of done with a wink. You know, it's just it's just kind of ongoing. And that this is supposed to be a condensed period of time as well. And kind of reads his age nine years <laughs> in, the, in the time, you know. So I know that's I, I like Jason Isaacs as a as an actor, and he's I've interviewed him a couple of times and he's very nice. So I can see that, but yeah, Ian McShane is I'm the same. I love love Joy growing up too. So yeah, a bit of a glint in the eye. It's a it's a rare thing. You mentioned Willem Dafoe there. When I I watch the, the DVD extras on John Wick, and there's an interview with Chad Zelinsky about uh, about casting Willem Dafoe, and he said he met him, he gave him the script, and Willem Dafoe walks in and goes, "I see me drinking juice," and he's like, "What?" He's like, "Well, these hitmen are younger, and I'm going to do something to stay young and keep up with them." He's like, "Okay, I think that, I think that means he's in." <laughs> he's uh, he's he doesn't mess around, does he? Like, no. he's really like. And I've heard I've never I've never I've heard he's really sound, but he does not mess around. He like he's as serious an actor as you're going to get as Willem Dafoe. I love the uh, was it the Lars von Trier the the Can interview when he was asked. Apparently there was a a full frontal scene in um what was not that the the religious one I can't think of the name of that. The Lars von Trier one is it? Yeah. yeah. And he said, oh yeah, there was a full frontal scene with Willem Dafoe. We had to cut because his manhood confused people, <laughs> and just left at that. And I was like. I kind of want to see it now. Just see what a what a, what a confusing Willem Dafoe. Yeah, you, kind of, you kind of think like, does it look like him? Like, why is it confusing? He's kind of confusing. Yeah, there's a lot of reactions to it, and confusing is, is top of the list. He's uh, like, just, sorry, go ahead. No, go on. I was gonna say, I don't think it confused me watching I rewatched the the John Wick films this week. What is the exchange rate on those coins? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's all the way to like you know, could you buy Trump Tower at one? You know, like he like, gives a guy a taxi path? one, and then he, he buys like you know safe passage with another. It just buys a drink. Like, is there? No one's getting any change. I will say one of the coolest scenes I think ever is when he's getting the weapons. When he decides, right, that's it. He snaps in the first John Wick, gets the sledgehammer and breaks the concrete to get. I was like, that is one of the coolest, coolest scenes, and it's fascinating now because you were chatting about where Keanu Reeves' career was at the time. He didn't have to wait. Uh, obviously that he has now once again and we would love to know what they were thinking when they were making that you know where they were like ah this is just going to be a movie people will find on amazon prime and you know some like and to, to, to being what it is and to being the type of scene that it is and to being how the series evolved like it's just i think it's fascinating you know because willem defaults popped up in a lot of movies like that too he's been boondock saints and he'll do mad stuff you, know, you get the impression he's doing it for the crack so it's just it's just they had no idea. They clearly had no idea what this series was going to be and how beloved it was going to be. You're going to feel like Alfie Allen is in it, and I got to get a kick out of uh, Dean Winters. He's the Vulture in uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and he's in he's uh, Lemon's uh, boyfriend in Thirty Rock. I love him, and just <laughs> to see him have such a big role in that, or like, what's the fucking Vulture doing in John Wick? And I can't, I can't remember, the, I can't remember the guy's name, but the lead bodyguard, really tall, good-looking guy, and he's a stuntman. And he's the lead bodyguard on the first movie. He's in Barry. He's in season two of Barry. Oh, yeah, yes. And like, awesome. The guy just has presence. Like, I would love to see, I'd love to see him in more stuff. But uh, Barry is awesome as well. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's a great show. But uh, yeah, it's it's perfect. It's perfectly cast. Like, you know, the X could have been Y or... It, it, when you think back and you're like, I, I can't see it as that. It shows how good Ian McShane is. It shows 
how well the film fits. It shows how good a job they did. But uh, I don't. I wouldn't have had a problem with Jason Isaacs in there now. Um, but yeah, Ian e. McShane's a legend too. And it is like it's one of them. Like he says, one of them cast lists you look at and go, like Ian e. McShane, John Leguizamo, Willem Dafoe, Alfie Allen. You're like, eh, this this could be something you'll see on the bottom shelf of Extra Vision. Like not something that's going to spawn a, a billion dollar franchise. Yeah, exactly, and uh, be beloved as well. Like, it's insane how much these movies are loved, not just by me. <laughs> and, and it's rare you get a series with four films where all four, you'd say, like there's not a bad film in that bunch. No, it's because they kept the same. Well, you know, it's because Selesky kept coming back, and I, I'd say they they kept the budgets to a point that Lionsgate left them alone, and that there wasn't it, it more and more and more pressure because the inkling I would imagine if you were involved and it would be to. I better take more, like again, go to go back to the rock to, as an example. You know, the, the bigger it gets, the more pressure there is, the more money you make, the more pressure there is. I'd imagine the lads are just like, let's do another one, let's do another one. Maybe budget might have went up marginally, again, contextually, and it they did it because they were enjoying it. Like you see the footage of uh there's so much there's so many things, and there's so many fake quotes going around about Keanu Reeves as well that he didn't say. But there's footage, there's some there's really cool footage of Keanu Reeves going around of the staircase towards the end of the movie, towards the end of John Wick 4. Um, that is an incredible action sequence goes on forever uh, just after the Arc de Triomphe in Paris and <laughs> when they were shooting it you know anybody who knows how movies work like the productions are heavy and a stair shooting on a really long staircase like that I can imagine the complexities of it were just a nightmare Keanu Reeves carrying stuff up with the crew <laughs> like helping them carry stuff up helping them carry cameras up and I'm like that is the most Keanu Reeves thing ever and I saw there was a thing under the tweet where people were saying, oh, yeah, there's a big deal. And then someone who was uh, one of the production assistants said, you don't understand how much of a big deal this actually is. It was a guy who actually got fired off the, the love guru because he looked Michael Myers in the eyes. <laughs> and he said, yeah, no, th 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 there's, a, there's a bar here. And trust me, he's exceeding that. I wonder, sometimes, I wonder sometimes if it's the publicist like, and that he even knew about. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sure that story is true. I haven't seen the love guru, but I heard it's atrocious. But like. Sometimes it's the publicists that make them look like assholes because they're supposed to be the assholes for them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And again, that scene you were talking about, the, the was it the 220 stairs? There was just, there was this big audible groan in the film where you got knocked down. It was like getting to the end of a computer game where snakes <laughs> and ladders and all of a sudden you're back at the stairs. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and I was just like, I'd be bollocks walking up and down them stairs, let alone have to fight 50 assassins on the oh, way up. I don't, know how they, I don't know how they shot that. I can't imagine how action sequences can take months. And so the, how they shot that and the, the, I mean, they're obviously working in such synchronicity that they're able to do it relatively quickly because you can tell by the price of the movie, the movie costs to make. But yeah, like it's super, like that movie's just, I know I'd say if you know, we're going to talk about which movies are the favorites, but uh, my, my, probably my favorite experience is probably the third one. So I had to send them to myself. I was doing the interview with Reeves. So I was like, it was just about to leave entertainment.ie at the time at a company that bought entertainment.ie. And one of my last things I was doing was interviewing Keanu Reeves and going to see John Wick Parabellum in a cinema in the lighthouse cinema in Dublin on my own. I was like, this is deadly. <laughs> God, God bless, God bless Jenny Sharif and Cape OPR for sorting that out. It was like my lasting memory that I got to see my favorite franchise, you know, in this incredible, I mean, the, the scenes where the, the, he gets the motorbike, you know how much Canary's loves motorbikes. Yeah. That sequence across New York, across Manhattan, I think it's the Bay Bridge or the Brooklyn Bridge. I was just like, this is class. <laughs> we got paid to do this. Actually, you mentioned experiences for John Wick 3. I saw that in the Omni and Rap Mines. And just before it started, this mountain of a guy walks in in a, in a Roots of Fight t-shirt. And I was like, oh, I've seen that. And it turns out it's Seamus from WWE. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> and the scene where the horse kicks, where he hits, he startles the horse to kick him in the stables. All you can hear about four rows in front of him is, you fucking boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I'd say, I'd say, love Seamus. I'd love to get a hold of Chad Selesky to make a film with him, I'd say. Yeah, he's quite good in turtles. Again, he's one of them that needs, I think, to push him onto the, the film side of things more than they do. I think he's he's got potential there. We came into entertainment about a years ago. We did a podcast with him and uh, really nice guy. And he was telling us that when the WWE, because I was, I, you know, I, I train a lot. So I'm like, I'm always fascinated. Like, how do they stay in that shape? and Because you're going like a rock star or a comedian. Yeah. You're going from town to town. So to be in shape must be horrendous. Like I go down to Cork with my girlfriend and I've had three sausage rolls on the way down and, you know, <laughs> bar chat. I'm like, how do you do it? When you're on and he was like, oh, like. You, you just like the WWE didn't take care of anything. You have to just yelp gyms and try and get. I was like, that blew my mind. So I was like, how did they do that? 
I always thought they had something set up or there'd be some sort of travel wow. gym set up. And he's he, huge. He like, he's one of the biggest stars. And I was like, that's an, that's awful. Like, you know, The Rock has like a traveling trailer with just lots of workout equipment in it wherever he goes. But yeah, it, it seems unfair, to be honest. You need to get onto your girlfriend and invest in your own iron paradise. I ha- do you know what? Um, I have to be careful because I'm renting, but my kitchen is essentially a gym. <laughs> So uh, I had a rower as well. I have a rower, a salt bike and a, a Concept 2 bike and a load of weights. And I had to sell the rowers that like, we do not have the space for this. But yeah, pretty much I'm like, I'm like the yellow pack version of the rock. Hopefully your <laughs> landlord is not listening. Yeah, you own, you own brand version. I'll have to pay for the chips in the floor when I drop the weights. We've got over here, boy. but before we go, I have to get a, a ranking of the films for you for the John Wick series. Best to worst. See, well, I'm worst not going to do that. I'm not oh. doing that. No, you're not. You're not pigeonholing me in there, Andrew. I'm, I tell you now, like, I have to do some creative editing now and see if I, I could pick out the numbers you said. No, no, so because <laughs> they're they're the kind of singular experiences and seeing the second and the third one, um, I was going knowing I was going to have to do an interview first, and that's very different, as you know, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It's very different when you're going to have to interview somebody because you're not taking it in in the same way. The first movie blew me away because it came out of nowhere. So to be able to replicate that kind of enjoyment three more times is, we talked about it, it's unparalleled. It's, I don't think anything like that has ever happened before. And it's because they kept the same creative team in place. So, I, you know, this whole thing where all the reviews have gotten progressively better, the box office has gotten progressively better. Look at them as a whole. You know, it's the first movie has weight now if you haven't seen them because it's John Wick. But it's a, it's a relatively mid-low budget action movie that kind of came from nowhere that's, essentially character driven into these you know like ballerina style action sequences that you've never seen before and that you hopefully get to see more when Chad Seleski makes more movies but or ballerina (laughs) ballerina yeah well I mean yeah that's Len Wiseman isn't it Len Mm. the directed um, Underworld and the Total Recall remake and the Total Recall remake yeah but I mean a lot of this is the second unit they've got the same second unit action team stunt team that uh, that, what's the name of the company that Seleski and David Leach own they did um Harley Quinn as well. So you see the action and Harley Quinn's got a bit of a kick to it. But yeah, I, I'm not I can't pick one. I'll say that the first the first my first experience of it, seeing the first one, blew me away. So the first one and the fourth ones were the only ones I seen where like I, you know, paid to see them. I didn't have to go as a junkie, I didn't have to go, went I just went as a punter. So I enjoyed those two the most. And but then again, I can't I can't it's like it's like picking my favorite child. I don't have any kids. <laughs> Um, I would agree with you. I would say four, Force One is still my favorite. Four is going to run it very close. I'd be interested to see what it does with the rewatches there. Yeah, so I'd say like, see, I'm like I'm a huge fan of this, of Scream, right? So, um, and there's been six Scream movies, so you can kind of put it up like for like in, in terms of comparison. And I saw people doing that with the Scream movies. That I can do. Like Scream One and Scream Two are the best Scream movies, and then the rest it's kind of a whatever. They're not really screen movies anymore. They've kind of become something else now. John Wick is a, it's like, it's different. It's like a unit. It's like, the you know, it is, it's like that, almost like that RPG role player game where you start somewhere and you finish it somewhere. So you can, you you could almost look at it like this one, one entity, you know, um, provided they don't make a fifth one. On that, just before I let you go, I know I said this was the last one I lied. Do you think there's going to be a fifth one? Because this, I, I think it's because of the Marvel movies, because all that stuff. I've just become desensitized that where the fact, you know, you see him in the grave, you see him dying at the end. And I, it just, it had no effect on me whatsoever because I was just like, oh, he's, he's coming back. There's, there's... And especially because of the talk, all the build up to this, they were, they were doing four and five was originally yeah. the idea to four and five together. So that just, that had no impact on me. And I could see that's how they don't make one for five years. That'll have a, a far more impactful meaning. But do you, do you think he's coming back? Didn't they say that it's when they're in Japan? Because Japan, the movie comes out a co- always comes out a couple of months later in Japan. And Reeves and Seleski were saying, "I'll have a whiskey in Japan." And be like, "Oh, we just don't know to be in Tokyo or wherever." Like, we just don't know to <laughs> so get an idea for it, and they'll do one. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I think they, I think doing four and five back to back made sense, probably in terms of Keanu Reeves is training on how much his body can take, um, and probably budget too. Um, I would not be surprised. I didn't. It didn't feel like it. Like it blunt stop in the same way that I don't know the last James Bond movie did that's different it's a it's a rotating actress playing that character but I would not be surprised I don't know how well movies those movies do without Keanu Reeves 
Yeah. Um, I think he's imperative to those movies. And they're saying they can bring him in as, you know, like, like maybe not the Continental. I think it's set in the 70s or the 60s, in the, the series The Continental. But I can't see them doing as well. I can't see them having the same type of reverberation or the same type of, of impact they have with Keanu Reeves in the role because people love Keanu Reeves for a very, very good reason. And I think you take him out of that, you take Chad Selesky out of that, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's like doing a sequel to Seven, you know, without Brad Pitt and David Fincher. You know, it's like, eh, it could be good, but I don't know. Yeah, and the fact, you know, he's in the ballerina spin-off because that's, I think that's set between three and four. But like you said, Len Wiseman doing Underworld and Total Recall. I know there's a the screenplay from Emerald Fennell who done Promising Young Woman, which I think is absolutely fantastic. That, that's a, yeah, that's an that's an interesting it's an interesting mix. Like, and I mean, Len Wiseman as well. I think, you know, he he might just. I think he's one of those guys that did the Junker for Total Recall in Dublin when they were in Dublin. And I got the young young enough guy at the time, at least. I'd say he's somebody that just played the game. You know, he's working within the system, so. If he's given an opportunity to to stretch the muscle, to flex the muscles a little bit more and and try something different, he you know he might be he it might it might surprise everybody, especially with the, with a script from Emerald and something different as well. The Continental Mel Gibson is in that. That's that that's a swing. Yeah, and like I don't I don't understand why Mel Gibson keeps working. He doesn't need to. Like he's so rich. He's got that Jesus money. Why? Why is he still? Why is he doing these straight to DVD, straight to streaming movies? Like what? Like what's going on now? Don't be wrong. He's Mel Gibson. He's Martin Riggs. You know, he's a un- undoubtedly great actor, charismatic movie star. But I put him in the same bracket we were chatting about earlier on, where at a certain point, movie stars stop becoming movie stars because content evolves, masculinity evolves, and I think Mel Gibson's an extreme example of that. But I'll watch it. I mean, I'll wa- I'll watch the Continental. You know, looking at the creative team involved in it, um, and also. Last time I was, well, not last time I was in New York, the time before I was in New York, we stayed near Wall Street. So I got to walk past the Continental every day. And every day when I walk past, I said to my missus, I'm like, it's the Continental, it's Continental from John Wick, <laughs> which is a restaurant, which was an empty restaurant you could let. And I'm like, this is a damn disgrace. There should be something here. That, that was the same building for Dark Knight Rise. Was that where Bane robs the stock exchange? The, the, the Continental is like, it's like a weird angular building. It looks like the Flatiron. Yeah, it's a weird, yeah, but it's, it's, because I Googled it to make sure that was it. Um, it's around the corner from, uh, yeah, around the corner from where that building is, the Wall Street, that the actual Wall Street building, the, the stock exchange. Um, but it's, it's just a strange looking building, but you'd have to, you'd really have to Google it to see it. But anyway, I was like, this blew my mind every time walking past them. And this is looking at me like, are you insane? Yeah, it sounds like we had the same. I was told that, I think it was the third day we were in New York, my missus turned around and goes, you get five. Because I can't <laughs> listen to this all day. Because it was literally it's like yeah. that's where the, that's where the marshmallow man comes out. That's where Cloverfield comes through the thing. That's yeah. like, just, just stop. One of the reasons why you're going there, right? <laughs> the only reason to go there, Mike Sheridan. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've gone off on some absolute mad tangents there, and the whole point is to get your ranking of John Wick, which I have not been successful for. Despite that, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. It's been an they're, absolute they're, pleasure. They're all five stars, all of them. <laughs> to the start.